What's up, y'all? And welcome back into the Jack Vita Show. I'm Jack Vita, and it's been far too long. How are you guys? It's been it's been a minute. I've only done two episodes over the last month, which is certainly not enough to do consistently. Uh, we had a lot go on with March Madness, and then when the tournament ended, I need a little bit of a break, and just been a busy last uh, few weeks or so, but we've got a lot more content coming up over the next couple of weeks. I'll get into that in a short bit, but yeah, good to reconnect. Good to be back. It's been it's been far too long. Uh, no episode last week as I was down in Texas for my sister's graduation at Texas Christian University. Once again, shout out to my sister, Laura Vita, on a job well done. She majored in child life development and is ready to go and impact children's lives and uh, make a huge difference in this world, which I'm sure she's going to do a great job at. I'm so excited for her. So excited for really everything that's going on right now. Uh, we're, <laughs> I was, as I mentioned, I was down in Texas. I went to my first college baseball game in terms of a big time program. I went to a Northwestern game before, and I had been to a Valparaiso baseball game before. Nothing like a Texas Christian University TCU Horned Frogs game against. Uh, they at the time TCU was number three in the country. They're playing Texas, which is number six or number seven in the country. Big 12 showdown. A lot of future professional ballplayers on both teams. If you ever get an opportunity to go to a big-time college baseball game, do it. It's amazing. I can't recommend it enough. It's so much fun. I love baseball, and I also love college sports. College sports, anytime, I should say, anytime you get an opportunity to go to a big-time college sports event, do it. College sports have so much electricity and energy atmospheres that are so unique in each stadium, in each ballpark. We were at 100% capacity, and it really felt like things were normal. And it seems like things are continuously getting better right now across our country, across the world regarding COVID-19. And that is plenty to celebrate, plenty to be happy about. Earlier this week... City of Chicago, where I live. Well, obviously, I'm not in the city of Chicago, but I'm a little bit outside of Chicago. Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, they can have up to 60% capacity. Prior to that, it was uh, around 20 or 30%. So my hope is that by the fall, we can have full football stadiums. And I think we will at the rate that we're on. But yeah, Texas is great. I loved it. Great barbecue. Always a fun time going down there. The women are beautiful. Uh, I'm going to have to find myself a Southern Belle. And if there are any Southern Bells that listen to this podcast, hey, send me a DM. <laughs> I'm just, uh, no, but really, I, I will, I'll accept DMs. I'll accept DMs. Actually, if you're a listener of this show, uh, male or female, and you want to connect, Feel free to message me anytime on Twitter or Instagram. Always love getting to know who's listening to this show. Get to hear your feedback, ideas you have for future content. And uh, I post a lot onto social media. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Social media is at Jack Vita Show. But as I mentioned, Texas, awesome time. 
Laura and I drove back, uh, my sister Laura, we drove from Fort Worth to Chicago in a day on Monday, uh, 16 hours in a car, but I love road trips. It was a lot of fun. Went through Missouri and Oklahoma and Illinois and uh, really nice scenic view. There's a lot to see in Southern Missouri. So always a big fan for me with the road trips because you get to see more of this country than you would on a flight. Um, so I don't know. I like the I like the road trips. I think it's a fun time. But we're back now, and we've got a lot coming up over the next week. As I mentioned, because of because of everything with the graduation, and just how busy I've been working on search engine optimization, trying to drive more traffic to my website, jackvita.com. Which, by the way, if anyone has any ideas for that, again, I'll take any uh, recommendations on social media. You can send me a tweet or a message. Uh, and if you have any ideas on how we can get this show and my site out to more people, it'll be much appreciated. Trying to continue to build this show up. Uh, really excited about what we have in the works this week. And the last time you heard from me, I was speaking with Garrett Powell, who was on season I think it was season 15 of The Bachelorette, Hannah Brown season. He finished in fifth place. Garrett was an awesome guest, and that quickly became the most downloaded episode that we've ever had in Jack Vita show history. So thank you so much to Garrett for pumping that thing out there to his large social media following. Uh, Could not have done it without him coming on the show and sharing it with all of his fans and followers, Uh, really was great having him here. If you don't watch reality TV, I still think you'll get a kick out of that interview because he talked a lot about how the Bachelor franchise is manipulated by producers, which was really interesting. He talked about the depression that he experienced after being exposed to the world through reality television and all the hatred that he received on social media, how it led him to alcoholism and depression which is horrible. Um, I think I think we get so familiar with people that we watch on TV, and if you follow them on social media, you think their lives are just amazing and perfect and great, but they're still real people, and we shouldn't ever bully anyone through a screen, especially people we don't know or people we do know, either way. But that was super interesting, and through that darkness and depression that he experienced, he recommitted his life to... Jesus Christ and his Christian faith has brought meaning and hope and purpose into his life and joy and rest. So really an incredible conversation. We touched on a lot of baseball and uh, NFL draft stuff as well. So if you missed that episode, go back and check it out. Y'all subscribe to this podcast. As I mentioned, big week coming up here. And I mean it. We've got Jordan Kimball a former Bachelorette contestant. He was a male model who (laughs) infamously got kicked off of Bachelor in Paradise for fighting with another model, I believe. And a really hilarious guy. Again, if you're not a fan of reality TV or The Bachelor, I think you should still just give it a shot because I think you'll like this guy because he's just really funny. And uh, I want to tailor the content to the non-reality TV fans as well. These guys have big followings and um, are really awesome dudes. So I think you guys will like them and they are valuable to this show. So we're thankful to have them on. And then 
next week at this time. And today, by the way, we're recapping all things Major League Baseball from the last week or so, particularly this weekend. But we have a lot of news I'm going to try to catch you up on from what we had over the last week, two weeks since the last time I recorded an episode of this show. But I'll be back next week with Gary Sheffield Jr. He writes at OutKick.com. He writes a lot on baseball, super knowledgeable guy. And yes, he is the son of MLB great Gary Sheffield. So uh, Gary Sheffield Sr. Gary Sheffield Jr. will join me, and that should be a lot of fun. Again, make sure that you guys are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And uh, go on to my site, jackvita.com, click on one of my posts, and then sign up for the email notifications. That way, you'll get emails whenever there's fresh content available. It'll go straight into your inbox, whether I write something, podcast something, or create some type of video. You'll know. So make sure you guys do that. All right. (laughs) That was a lot. But I mean, it had been two weeks, so I wanted to catch up and let you guys know that I didn't die. Nothing happened to me. Just busy. (laughs) Just busy. But there's so much going on in the world of Major League Baseball right now. And I think the best place to start is Albert Pujols has found a new team. So we're going to back up to something that happened about a week and a half ago. Albert Pujols signed a contract. Well, we'll go back 10 years, I guess. After the Cardinals won the World Series in 2011, Albert Pujols signed a 10-year contract, a lot, a very substantial amount of money to play for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. In L.A., Albert Pujols has not been the same player that he was with the Cardinals for the first 10 years of his career. So the last 10 years, this has been a diminished player, but he's still been a productive player. And Albert Pujols, by the way, despite, I think a lot of people have forgotten about how great of a player he was because of what they've seen him do with the Angels and what we've seen over the last 10 years. Albert Pujols was the best hitter of his generation. Albert Pujols, and I I guess we'll talk more about this, has a legitimate case as perhaps the greatest first baseman of all time. So Albert Pujols, this is his last year of his contract. He announced before the season started that this would be his final season. And really, it's amazing to me that that was not a bigger story, considering, again, all-time great player, People have forgotten about him over the last 10 years. I get that. But still, this is a guy that has been so remarkable for the sport. First class guy, always taking time to sign autographs for kids and giving back to the community. He's a great humanitarian. Albert Pujols is a first class star in sports. Really, you know, you could even say he's up there with Tom Brady in terms of best best team athlete of the new millennium or best athlete in general. He's been that good. Now, I think Brady, that's a conversation for another time, but Brady's, you know, in a league of his own. But Pujols has been that to Major League Baseball. He's been remarkable. For the first, you know, 10 years of the new millennium, he was always in the MVP hunt. It was him and Bond seemingly every year. He's he's an incredible hitter. So anyway... This is the final year of his contract with the Angels. And the Angels decided about 10 days ago that they were going to 
DFA him, designate him for assignment. They put him on waivers after, I guess there was a, the report said he wanted to hit against, I think it was Ryan Yarbrough when they were playing the Rays. Yeah, it was Ryan Yarbrough. He was six for nine against him in his career. Joe Madden did not start him in that game. And Pujols, I guess, wasn't too happy about it. And then the response was to waive the guy. And then the Angels front office said that they didn't make the deci- that Madden didn't make the decision for him not to play, even though they had opportunities to pinch hit. They didn't use him off the bench. And by the way, I, I also want to say, while Albert Pujols has not been the player that we know that he was in St. Louis. He hasn't been, he's not an unplayable player by any means. You can DH him. There are a lot of baseball players right now that are hitting worse than Albert Pujols, that are playing more regularly, playing every day. So the Angels don't play him, and the Angels front office says, well, that was that was our decision. It was not a Madden thing. And uh, I guess we can take their word for what it's worth. Uh, really, I don't. <sighs> That's all we know. We'll, we'll, we'll take what they say. And then they decide to waive him. And I thought that this was a horrible way to treat a veteran player, especially one with the repertoire of Albert Pujols, who's been, I should say, resume. The resume of Albert Pujols. Seven years ago, Derek Jeter got an all-time send-off. It was a retirement tour. He received parting gifts from every team he faced, it seemed. And some people didn't like it. I actually loved it. I think that it was a good way to kind of celebrate one of the faces of the sport who had, like Pujols, carried himself with nothing but class and dignity and respect. Just a first-class guy and a great ambassador for the sport. So Pujols, or... So Jeter, you know, we made a big spectacle out of his last year with the Yankees. Now, granted, he's in New York City, and Pujols is out as the second team on the Angels. But Albert Pujols is more, I would say, so this is interesting. So I put something out on Twitter, and I said, Pujols should be getting the same treatment that Jeter got with the Yankees. And obviously, a little different situation considering Pujols did not play 20 years with the Angels, but he did play 10. And again, there's a greater spotlight on New York City. So I was met with some criticism on Twitter. Some people said he should be celebrated more than we celebrated Jeter. And I agree with that sentiment. Pujols was a much better player than Derek Jeter was. And that's... That's a conversation for another show. We could debate that anytime. But Derek Jeter was a very, very good player for the longevity of his career, even though he did decline defensively towards the end of his career. Albert Pujols was a great player for a shorter, probably a shorter stretch of time, but he was a phenomenal player. Um, Albert Pujols is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I don't think there's a way that you could celebrate him more than Jeter because I don't really... Are you going to like bring him in on a donkey like Jesus to come into the game? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know what more you could do than what Jeter received. 
But I would say that I think Pujols is more deserving of the treatment that Jeter got. And I also think Jeter was deserving of that treatment that he got. And I'm glad that he got it. Albert Pujols should be, we should be making a bigger deal about the final year of Albert Pujols' career. And for the Angels, which, by the way, we got to mention that Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, since they started the season 7-3, and three, they're 10-19. and 19. And that, I should say, that's their record since then. They're in the last, they're in last place in the American League West. I don't think the Angels are a good team. And I understand they want to do their best to win every game, but I don't see how not having Albert Pujols on your team makes your team better. I, I've never heard that. Any, I've never heard anything negative about Albert Pujols as a clubhouse, as a locker room guy. I don't see what the harm is. I want to see Albert Pujols playing every day in the final year of his baseball career. I think it should be a big deal. I think it's a great marketing chip, not only for the Angels, but for the league. The Angels are not going to be a playoff team this year. And no, I know a lot of people like them every single year. It feels like it's wishful thinking with the Angels every single time. People are saying, okay, the Angels are going to, they talk themselves into it. And I get it. They got Mike Trout. They got Shohei Otani, two of the brightest stars in the sport. You want to see them in the playoffs. People have been using an argument, and we'll talk more about this later. People like to say, oh, they should expand the playoffs so people can watch Mike Trout in the playoffs. I think you should just make the playoffs, and then we can watch Mike Trout in the playoffs. We shouldn't have to fit it to accommodate a player. And by the way, you cannot knock Mike Trout for being on a bad team. That is not his problem. That does not take away from how great a player he is. That you can't postseason success is not, it's not the same. You can't have one player that takes your team to the postseason in baseball like you can in the NBA or the NFL. So, and I should say quarterback in the NFL, but NBA, yes, you know what I mean. The Angels should be realistic. A month from now, they're probably still going to be in last place, and it's going to be a little clearer that they're not a very good team. And I don't really know if they have anything to sell, but they are now, after Pujols passes through waivers, and the Los Angeles Dodgers pick him up, the Angels are paying $30 million for him to pay to play across town on another team. I, I don't... I don't get it. I don't think it's a good way to treat your player. Now, I am happy for Albert Pujols. Now, it was interesting that he selected the Dodgers because he had, as reports were coming out, he had several teams calling him, as it should be. There was one rumor, uh, John Heyman reported yesterday that he was tied to the Cardinals, which would have been a really nice return story to have him back in St. Louis one last time. He also probably had opportunities with teams such as Texas Rangers, Baltimore Orioles, some of those really bad teams. And that's where I think the Angels are going to be this year. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the American League. And you just, at that point, you just play him every day. And he, he ended up, I'm sure he had opportunities. He ended up going and choosing the Dodgers. They're getting an excellent clubhouse guy. He's probably not going to play a whole lot. Now, I do think he's probably going to play a little more there than he would with the Cardinals because with the Cardinals, Goldschmidt is playing first base every day. The Dodgers are bigger on 
platoons, matchups. They shake up their lineup a little more. So Cody Bellinger can play first base. He also is going to play some center field. Pools will probably get some at-bats. Now, maybe not big at-bats, not significant playing time, but I'm happy for him. He didn't have to move across town. They're getting an excellent clubhouse guy, a great veteran. He's going to play in the postseason this year. At least he'll be on a postseason roster. Well, (laughs) I guess you can't guarantee that. We'll see if he makes the postseason roster. I think he will at this point. And he's a, he's got a chance to win another ring. So congrats to Albert Pujols. Congrats. Uh, great job on the L.A. Dodgers. Terrible job on the L.A. Angels. There's a reason that's a losing team. And as not, I don't I don't think it has a whole lot to do with Joe Madden. I just think it's not a very good team. I, there's a reason that they keep making these decisions. They spend big on a few players. And in basketball, that does you a lot of good. In baseball, you need a pitching staff. You need some depth behind Otani, Rendon, and Trout. And there just isn't a whole lot with that team. So I think you're going to continue to see the Angels trend in the opposite direction. And the Dodgers have been interesting because ever since Brian Cohen came on this show, uh, it was four weeks ago now, he said they could maybe win 120 games this year. I don't think that's going to happen currently. As they, at this point, right now, their record is on, and I guess they're, they're playing a game right now. They're trailing against the Marlins in the bottom of the sixth inning, the time of this recording, and we'll keep you posted on that as we see fit. But 22-17, uh, and 17, surprisingly, the San Francisco Giants are still in first place. Uh, great job, uh, but what they've been accomplishing so far this year. But... The Dodgers are probably, they take two, the first two games against Miami, and we'll see what happens here on this Sunday game. But they are, they need to win some of these games because they have been sliding quite a bit ever since Brian made that uh, proclamation. They, it seems like they've won very few games since Brian stepped out and made that bold pick. But I applaud him for the creativity and making the bold pick. I, I prompted him to, so... Uh, (laughs) But the Dodgers lost Corey Seager uh, a couple nights ago. He got hit by a pitch on his right hand. We'll see what their x-rays show and what the timetable is going to be. But he hit the DL, uh, and that's a big loss. So maybe there's an opportunity for Pujols to go back to his original position as a shortstop when he's drafted as a shortstop. No, we're not going to see Pujols at short, but hopefully we'll see some Pujols. Uh, In terms of Injuries. We actually had another couple to note this week. Ronald Acuna Jr., he hurt his ankle, and that was scary because just a few days before that, he got hit by a pitch on, I think it was Pinky, and people were worrying that he was going to miss a substantial amount of time. He's okay. Ankle, he exits his Thursday game against the Blue Jays, which, by the way, Blue Jays sweep the Braves twice this year, 6-0 and against the Braves. He leaves that game. Uh, he's okay. He played today. Mike Soroka, however, really unfortunate news. Soroka was on pace for a Cy Young caliber season last year. Um, now, obviously, it was a shortened season, and he only he didn't, didn't get to make too many starts, but he was in the running for Cy Young and Rookie of the Year just two years ago in his rookie season. 
Soroka's a stud. He is a guy the Braves are going to need. And last year, he had that uh, J.D. Davis hit the ball right into his Achilles, and he ruptured his Achilles. Just horrible luck. So Soroka, it looked like we're probably going to see him pretty soon, but something wasn't feeling right, and he had to have exploratory, or he's going to have exploratory surgery in that area, which is just, (sighs) this is awful news. I mean, it's really, really bad. Um, praying for that guy. Praying that he can get back on that on that mound uh, because he's a joy to watch. He's a great player, and the Braves need him. And so we'll see what ends up happening with Mike Soroka, but uh, thoughts and prayers go out to him in this time. There is a Braves pitcher that has been making uh, – has been – doing more than his fair share, not only on the rubber, but in the batter's box. Oscar Enoa, he's uh, 22 years old, mind you. Made his debut two years ago. So he's pitching. He's got 2-2-3 ERA and a .89 whip, which is excellent. That's great. But what's more impressive is in 15 at-bats, he's batting 400. He's also got a 400 OBP. A 1.267 OPS with two homers. Talk about a pitcher that can rake. And this is why I love baseball. I love having pitchers hit. If you have a pitcher that can hit, it's a big advantage. I want to see pitchers work in the cage, and it's fun. I like I like the fact that pitchers hit. And when pitchers hit well, I think it's, I think it's interesting. It's good. People love Otani, and yet they want to get the designated hitter in the National League. If there are guys who can excel on both ends of the game, like Otani does, and now Enoa's doing, I mean, people find that interesting and enjoyable. Let's uh, let's keep that in mind. Let's see. What else do we have here? All right, so here are your series from the weekend. The White Sox and the Royals split two games to two. Uh, what a weekend for Jose Abreu it was because Jose Abreu exited the first game of their Friday doubleheader, which the Sox lost 6-2. to two. Uh, As him and Hunter Dozier collided, there, Dozier hit a pop-up in the infield. Abreu was running in to make the play. Dozier was running in the base path to first base. They weren't looking at each other. They both exited the game, but they're both okay. Abreu ends up walking off the Sox game today. He was a, it was a tied 3-3 in the bottom of the ninth inning. Wild pitch from Wade Davis, and Jose Abreu steals home plate to walk it off. They review it. Uh, no, there was it was inconclusive evidence to overturn, and the White Sox split that series. And really, I, I have to say, I think that was a good showing for both teams on the split of the four-game stat, four-game stand. The Royals, who had they were in first place not too long ago, they lost ten or eleven games straight uh, prior to this series. So started to, I mean, these teams look pretty even with each other, which is good for both sides. I mean, obviously the Sox don't want competition in the American League Central. As they stand atop right now at 24 and 15 in first place with a two game lead over the Cleveland Indians. And look, I know the Indians are five games over 500, 
I'm still not entirely in on the Indians. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of teams that I'm not totally in on. I need to see some of their position players solidify themselves. They can score runs consistently because it's their pitching rotation that is making these games competitive for them. And I guess if you have a great rotation like they do, they should hang around. But as I was watching Kansas City this weekend, I thought if Kansas City is able to return to how they were to open the season, and granted, I don't love their pitching staff. I mean, this this looked like this weekend, like this would be the two best teams in the AL Central. That's how the series walked, looked to me. That this could be when you get into July or August, this is a big series between these two teams because they're the teams vying for first place in the American League Central. Now, the Minnesota Twins are still not playing good baseball. Minnesota Twins dropped two or three from the Oakland A's this weekend. And the Twins are now in last place in the American League Central. They have a worse record than the Detroit Tigers at this point. They're 13-25. and 25. This was a Twins team that a lot of people favored to win the American League this year. Not just win the American League Central, but to win the American League. So for the Twins, I mean... Ugh, this is a very poor start. Very few teams have come back and made the playoffs with this kind of start. I heard the other day on MLB Central, there are like four teams to start out in this spot that the Twins have been that made the playoffs. And that's, you're looking at 100 plus years of baseball history. That is a horrible sign for the Twins. I'm concerned about them. And I'm starting to get into the panic territory with that team. They continuously find ways to lose games. Now, granted, seven of their losses have been games that went to extra innings. We have this weird extra innings rule. Um, John Boy Media and the Talking Baseball podcast was appropriately pointing it out last week that extra innings, I had the same thought. It's not really a game anymore. It turns into a push bunt and sack fly competition when we get to the 10th inning and it's really strange all you got to do is just push a bunt move the runner to third base and then hit the ball in the outfield and you win the game and what we've seen a lot of times is the teams in the top half of the inning try to go for the big inning score a lot of runs and they fail to do it and when they fail to do it then the team in the bottom half just goes for that one run and they win this rule really needs to be tweaked. Uh, I actually don't have a problem with this idea, as I think it's actually a good one. It just shouldn't start in the 10th inning. Most extra inning games actually end by the end of the 12th. So you're really only playing two or three, sometimes even one, extra inning, uh, extra innings, I should say. So what we should do in the future, I would say, is let's have the 10th and the 11th inning played normally. And then when we get to the 12th inning, put the runner on first base, not second base, first base is now it's a lot. There's a big difference when you start an inning with nobody out on first base versus second base, because that's one extra out that you're going to like, it's, it costs you an out typically to move a runner from first base to second base, unless you steal, unless you get a hit. But if you want to bunt, so now you have one out with a runner on second base. And you know, technically, you could bunt again, runner on third base. Now two out, so you can't sack fly. You have to get a base hit. 
with the runner on first base, it's just it's there's more strategy. We'd see more stolen bases. I could be better, and it just shouldn't happen in the tenth inning. There's no rush to end the game. I think it's dumb. I really don't like it. But the Twins are a team I'm concerned about. I'm hitting the panic button, but the team that beat them, Oakland A's, are playing some great baseball right now. Oakland A's right now have the best record in the American League. Now, they are tied with the Boston Red Sox. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Boston Red Sox over the next two and a half months. Again, I want to see them. What are they going to do against... They have a much tougher schedule up through August, early August. Uh, Coming up on their schedule, after they played the A's this week, and the A's took two or three from them, and more on the A's in a second, but we'll uh, we'll talk about the Red Sox here, who, by the way, they took two or three from the lousy Angels at home. They did that. Coming up after that, they have Blue Jays, Phillies, Braves, Marlins, Astros, Yankees, Astros, Blue Jays, Braves, Royals, Rays, Yankees, Royals, Angels, Phillies, Yankees, Blue Jays, Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, and the A's. So Marlins and the Angels, those games probably won't be too tough unless you're facing the top of that rotation against the Marlins. We'll still, we we gotta see what the Marlins are this year. Might be too early to write them off, but uh, the rest of that is gonna be tough. And you have two four-game series in the month of July against the Yankees, that's, I mean, those are the, we'll see how they do when they get to those, to get through that part of the schedule, because they played the Orioles three times, and we got to see that pitching staff, how solid can that staff be over the course of the season, but for now, they are in first place, and they are tied with the A's, but I'm really, I'm loving what the A's are doing right now, they started out the season 0-6, 0-6, and since then, they're 25-11. and 11. Like I said, best record in the American League. They're playing great baseball right now, and I, well, actually, I, I should, I correct myself, the White Sox actually have a better record than them, but I think there are three teams right now that I think prior to this weekend look the most solid, and I think I'll still stand by it. The Oakland A's have been playing some great baseball, and they did again this past week. 2-3 from the Red Sox, 2-3 from the Twins. The White Sox are uh, team number two, for that matter. I really haven't heard a whole lot about how bad Tony La Russa is, and I just feel like what I think is so interesting is people wrote off La Russa because he's old, and people, it's like, it's not acceptable to discriminate anybody based on any really thing that's grounds for discrimination except age. It's okay. It's acceptable to be ageist somehow. And a lot of people who have never accomplished anything compared to what Tony La Russa has accomplished in the sport of baseball wrote him off before he stepped in that dugout. And I really haven't heard anything bad. I mean, obviously there have been some points where I've heard some criticism. The team has the best record in the American league now, granted, is an extremely talented team, but I think he's managing culture well. I think the team respects him and likes him. Lucas Giolito has said great things about him on the Chris Rose rotation, uh, which is a great baseball podcast. Larusa is doing a great job. The Sox are playing some good baseball. And team number three that I put up there with Oakland and the Chicago White Sox, 
St. Louis Cardinals. So the Cardinals, over their 20 games prior to the last two games, because the Padres have taken the last two games uh, this weekend, and we got this game coming up, Cardinals and Padres on Sunday Night Baseball. But the Cardinals, 15-5 and over the 20 games previous to that, went into Milwaukee this week, took 2-3 against the best part of their pitching rotation. The Cardinals look very, very good. I think a lot of folks sort of said, well, the NL Central is a joke, and whoever wins that division isn't legit, but I mean they're outperforming the Braves, the Padres, and the Dodgers, the top three teams that we all had going into the season coming out of the National League. Cardinals are making a case that they're with those teams, and they are a comp- contender this year. Um, make no mistake about it. They are a legitimate team. Also, this week we had Jared Kelenich and Logan Gilbert make their debuts for the Seattle Mariners earlier this week. That was on, I believe, Thursday night. Kelenich is off to, I mean, I think people are overreacting a lot, and it happens a lot, obviously. It's what we do. But with uh, with Kelenich, I think what happens a lot of times, so he's... He's doing okay. He is first home run on Friday night. But people want to... I feel like we overhype these guys before they ever play a game. And it's not really fair to them because baseball is a sport based on failure. We've tried to make a big event every time that one of these guys makes their debut. And I think in the local markets, it's fun. It's exciting. But, I mean, very seldom is... It's not like baseball. It's not like basketball where Zion Williamson can go out there and score 30 points in his debut. Baseball, you fail more times than you succeed. It's just the nature of the sport. So you got to be patient. Kelenich, uh, prior to today, or at least last I checked, as the Mariners are playing right now, he's betting 200, but he did hit a home run. He's only had 10 at-bats. But fun for the Mariners, who we'll see again right now what's going to happen by the time this podcast is over. I mean, I don't think this game's going to end by them, but the Mariners are up 3-2 in the top of the seventh. They've taken 2-3 against the Cleveland Indians this week. Zach Plesak had a no-hit bid. Uh, I think he took it in the seventh inning the other night. Uh, The Indians did win that game, but Mariners win this one, and they take 3-4. AL West is doing quite well. The Astros swept the Texas Rangers this week. Uh, so they pick up four wins. That was a four-game stand. That's big for the Astros as it puts them now just about a game or game, maybe it's a half a game from the Oakland A's in first place. We had another 2-2 split with the Pirates and the Giants. Um, Pirates aren't doing too bad. I mean, that's a team that a lot of us were looking at potentially like a 55-1 team. Um, now, they're not great, but JT Brubaker... Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds. There's some pieces on that team that should make them interesting going forward. Yankees take two of three in Baltimore. Not a whole lot to look at there. The Cubs win two of three against the uh, Detroit Tigers in Detroit this weekend. Kyle Hendricks had a really good outing today. He went eight innings deep, only allowed one run. And that's big because Kyle Hendricks had really been struggling. A lot of people were worried about him, but... It's pretty par for the course for Hendricks to start the season slow and uh, really hit his peak as the season goes on. 
not concerned about him. The Rays sweep the Mets. Uh, really fun game on Friday night. The Mets had a two, it was either a two nothing or a two one lead in the eighth inning. Uh, this was in Tampa. Rays come back and tie that up, and then the bottom of the ninth, Brett Phillips hit a walk off hit. Uh, Brett Phillips walks it off once again, like he did in the World Series, and I'm sure his uh, trademark laugh was heard throughout that clubhouse. Um, so good one for the Rays. That's big for them again to get this uh, Tampa and New York. Maybe they're starting to heat up here. AL East is going to be tough. Uh, the the Blue Jays are playing some real good baseball after they swept the Braves. They take two of three from the Phillies this week. Um, the Braves did take two of three from the Brewers today. They were down seven to one and they came back and ended up only losing 10 to nine. So a lot of fight in there. Freddie Freeman hit a grand slam. Um, so Braves are hoping they can get their season back on track. They're below 500. Um, But there's still a lot of time. I'm not out on the Braves quite yet. Austin Riley has been really good. They're 19 and 21 right now. Just two games out of first place from the New York Mets. The Mets prior to this weekend have been playing some really good baseball. Uh, Unfortunately for them, they allowed some of the off the field stuff and team chemistry stuff to kind of overshadow the fact that they've been playing so well. But they have been playing very well. Uh, the Nationals and the Diamondbacks. Nationals beat the snot out of the <laughs> Diamondbacks on Friday night, 17-2. to The Diamondbacks took, won 11-4 uh, yesterday. And we'll see what happens here. They're tied. Uh, it's, oh, oh, actually, whoa, we have some movement here. Nationals look like they're going to win this series. They're up 3 nothing in the bottom of the ninth. Um, so good job there for the Nationals to take a series. They still have played a significant amount less of games, probably like five games less than most other teams because of their COVID pause to open the season. Yankees had eight guys, I believe, test positive for COVID in terms of coaches. Um, So that's a little messy, but it is what it is. Hopefully everyone's okay. I'm sure they will be, and we can get them back uh, out there on the field. Marlins are up on the Dodgers right now, 3-2 to two in the bottom of the seventh. The Dodgers did take the first two games, so it's looking like it will be 2-3 of three from the Dodgers over the Marlins. Looks like it'll be Mariners, 3-4 of four from Cleveland. And Colorado is about to beat, I think they actually just final score. Colorado wins. Oh, no, it's tied now. Tie game. <laughs> it looks like, uh, oh gosh, I don't even know what's going on here, but... Uh, Reds and Rockies uh, doesn't matter too much. They uh, <laughs> no, the Colorado took uh, two of the first three games of the series. They're tied now in the ninth inning. We'll see what happens. Uh, they did have a six to one lead. I guess the Rockies blew that lead. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, that's uh, I think we covered pretty much everything uh, from the past week as best I could in terms of on the field stuff. I think that's everything, right? I didn't miss anything. I hope I didn't. Michael Kopech pitched for the Sox on Friday night. That's a guy that is super fun to watch. If you have access to watching White Sox games whenever he's on the mound, I suggest you watch. Uh, He only went four innings, uh, but he only allowed one earned run and two hits. He's got great stuff. Giolito's been struggling a little bit, but the Sox are still playing very well. Dylan Cease had another good outing today. Um think we covered everything i'm just making sure 
We got the Padres and the Cardinals uh, tonight on Sunday Night Baseball. Padres take the first two games. That should be a good game for the national audience. Uh, fun watching the Padres. Um, okay, I think that's everything. So the last thing I have for you guys, and this is not pertaining to the scores on the field, but it's Major League Baseball news. So Major League Baseball, and I wrote a piece on this on jackvita.com. You can read more on it there. But in short, Major League Baseball and ESPN have renewed their partnership through 2028, uh, which is interesting. Um, So some fine details of this is the schedule is getting cut for the last, I don't know how many years, the ESPN was carrying midweek baseball games and they're, so they were carrying 90 this year, next year. And for the next seven years, they'll only have 30. They'll only have Sunday night baseball and they will have the wild card game and potentially more playoff games moving forward. More on that in a short bit. Um, John boy, Again, John Boy, shout out to John Boy, John Boy Media, did a good breakdown on Twitter. Um, Essentially, this does not mean that baseball is declining in popularity by any stretch of the imagination. ESPN wanted to get those midweek games, but what they wanted was they wanted to have exclusive rights to those games. So, in other words, when these games are on in the middle of the week, they're also on the local channel. So typically I don't watch A-Rod on the broadcast. And I think most people, if they have the option to hear their their hometown broadcast team or a national team, I mean, there's a reason why people always say, oh, Joe Buck hates my team. And he doesn't, but they want to hear people talk about their team that also like their team. So ESPN wanted to have exclusive rights to those games as they do Sunday Night Baseball. That's the only place you can watch Sunday Night Baseball is on ESPN. The midweek games, however, are also on the local networks. And ESPN said, well, we want exclusive rights. And the <laughs> and Major League Baseball said, sorry, because what ended up happening was the rights for the local markets uh, they're making a lot more money on the new TV deals with Bally and NBC Sports and some of the exclusive channels. So they're uh, they're going to make more money off those. They're not going to get rid of the local affiliates for those games. So ESPN said, no, thanks. We won't take those games then. ESPN or Major League Baseball, rather, is now looking for partners for those midweek games. And it sounds like it could be a digital streaming company that steps in and takes those games. Uh, They do have a free game on YouTube every single week. They also have typically a free game each day on MLB TV. Um, So we could see more of that in the future. But I think the main thing with baseball is that people are much more locked into their local team in baseball than they are in the NBA. I think the NBA is probably the best league to try to compare what these numbers mean and everything too, because NFL is the biggest league in, in America, I should say, I won't bring up international, but in America and the NFL is so weird. They only play 16 games. They're all national broadcasts. So we're, if we're comparing baseball and NBA, baseball is decimating professional basketball in the local markets. It's not even close. It's not a fair fight. There are only a few markets where it is. 
And even in those markets where it's relatively small, it still is doing extremely well. So the sport is doing really well in the local markets, but in terms of like a national broadcast, typically the NBA or, you know, you want to put in college sports, whatever, those national games do better than the national baseball games. But I think part of that is the fact that if you have an opportunity to watch your team every single night, you're into the routine of watching your team every night. My mom, who's a huge Cubs fan, is never going to say, hey, I want to watch this Yankees-Red Sox game because it's a primetime game instead of watching the Cubs. Now, I'm different because I watch everybody, and I have the MLB TV thing, and I watch two games at a time, but I think most fans are locked into their own team. And so what John Boy was saying is if you were to collect the local ratings in every single market cumulatively, he said it's basically like American Idol, where in the local markets, it's like you have a top two or top three most watched show every single night. You put it all together and it's basically like you have, you know, this juggernaut everyone's just watching their own different version of American Idol that's regionally local to them rather than it being, you know, like a main thing that we all watch together. Um, So baseball's in a good spot. Now, what is interesting is that this deal, and this is reported by Awful Announcing, baseball is going to potentially add more playoff games, or at least they're going to try to do so with this next CBA that will need to be met this winter between the players and the owners. And what it alluded to was a potentially, it said maybe a best of three wild card round. Now it was not clear and I'm sure it wasn't clear in the deal um, as we don't know what will happen with the CBA, but it doesn't, we don't know if we're going to have a 16 team playoff in a best of three wild card round like we did last year? Or are we going to have the same number of teams making the playoffs, but now we're moving the wild card round to a best of three rather than a one and done? Now, the idea to have more playoff games with the current model that we have in terms of how many teams make the playoffs, I think that's actually a good one. Um, the Baseball, there's a reason we play 162 games. It's supposed to mean something. The regular season means something. And the problem that the NBA has, and it's got a lot of problems, but one of the things I hear all the time is that they say, oh, well, the NBA regular season is meaningless because right now you're going to have 20 teams competing for a playoff spot this year. 20. 20 potential playoff teams. That What is the purpose of the regular season if that's what you're doing? And what baseball does so well is that these games mean something. When the Cubs and Cardinals meet for a four-game series in July, it's very impactful because only 10 teams out of 30 make the postseason, not 20 out of 30, not 16 out of 30. And I don't want to celebrate mediocrity. I think it should be the best teams. I want to see the best teams in there. I don't want to see, you know, I, I, I want to see best of the best. And what you do... Potentially, if you do this wild card round again, the Dodgers could win 105 games, or as Brian says, 120, and they could lose to a 75-win team in a two-out-of-three series. Why are we letting 
a sport that we put so much emphasis on the regular season turn into a best of three. That seems very, it just seems very short-sighted to me because yes, a good thing that could happen is you get more teams involved in the postseason. People are excited about that, but I don't think that's a problem that major league baseball has. I mean, like I said, the ratings, everything looks good in the local markets. And then what you end up doing is you devalue the regular season. I think in the long run, then people stop caring about these regular season games because they say, oh, my team's going to be in the playoffs anyway. So what's the matter? We're just going to come down to a best of three. So we just need to have two good games in October and then another three good games or five good games in the division series. I would... I'd be okay with expanding the wild card round to a best of three. It puts a greater emphasis on winning your division. There should be an incentive for that. And I don't want to get to a point where that becomes meaningless. I think that the race is what it is. And you can't make... Someone said this in one of my on one of the stories I wrote this week. I wrote about this again on my website, jackvita.com. And they said, you can't compare baseball to other sports because baseball is more than a sport. It's a way of life. And I think what we're seeing a lot of is people that don't like baseball that want to change baseball. You're, eventually, you're not going to bring in those people. Why are we letting the people that don't like the sport dictate how the sport's supposed to be played and what needs to happen? It's pretty great the way it is. And I'm not opposed to doing some new things and changing some things to make it more fun, more accessible to the viewers. But I just don't, yeah, I don't know what we're doing here half the time with some of this stuff. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening. I really hope that they don't expand this postseason. Uh, for more on that, you can check it out on my website, jackvita.com. Also interesting that they are going to re- re-up with Major League Baseball, or with ESPN, rather, I should say. I don't think ESPN's been a great partner for this sport. Okay, they use all their programming to elevate the sports that they have on their air. So nobody cares about the NBA as much as the ES- as ESPN does. But what they do is they elevate the conversation about the NBA and it increases the sport's popularity. I don't think that they're covering the sport because it's more popular than baseball. It's not. And what it is, though, is they're elevating it and then more people pay attention to it because ESPN for the longest time has controlled so many of these conversations and been the worldwide leader. And they've done, they've been so negligent towards baseball. I personally was kind of hoping that they'd find a new partner. I think CBS would be an excellent partner. Um, they're still going to be with Fox. They're still going to be with Turner. We'll see what ends up happening. But on opening day, there was no coverage of major league baseball on ESPN in terms of their non-baseball shows. They slashed Baseball Tonight, which was one of their best shows. They used to have that on every night. Now they have one baseball show per week before Sunday Night Baseball. That's it. They had very little coverage. Instead, they were talking about the NFL Draft, which was about four weeks out from happening. And so I, I really would love if ESPN took more of an interest in baseball and just helped the sport a little more, gave it a little more press because it definitely would help. If you're showing some of these fun highlights every night and you're, you know, 
I don't, in general, I don't like the hot take culture. I really don't. And I think there's a reason why people are tuning out from it and moving more towards these types of podcasts to get their news and to get their analysis. But I mean, just talk a little bit about baseball every now and then. There's so much to talk about. I just spent an hour doing it on here. (laughs) All right, guys. So that's our show for today. Hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you guys will subscribe and join me for the next couple episodes that we have coming up. Jordan Kimball this week, Gary Sheffield Jr. uh, Sometime early next week around Sunday or Monday, that episode should drop. Talking baseball, provide another recap of what's going on. Be interesting to see what happens over the next week. uh, And what (laughs) I feel like the sport changes so quickly. There's always new stuff to talk about. Um, Take a hand, ESPN. (laughs) But um, yeah. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jack Vita Show, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show, YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. Subscribe to the show. And until the next time, I'm done talking for now. Podcast adjourned. Bring in the dance of the lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>